That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, is good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. This is a personnel issue. Ish. I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and it again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. And Ish, this is going to be the first of our off-season podcasts. Uh, today, we are joined by Adrian Broadus, uh, who covers UTEP. Adrian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you guys. I'm, I'm excited to talk some UTEP hoops today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we were talking about off-air, there's plenty to talk about. I mean, with this team from the men's to the women's side, uh, we'll try to fit it in in a timely fashion but I guess starting with on, starting on the men's side, we were fascinated by this team the entire year. Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, we had Joe Golding on before the year started. Um, great, great guy to talk to. Um, but it was kind of clear to us, Golding went into this with the mindset of, um, A, it was going to be a rebuild, but also he's, he was excited by the, the athleticism, the athleticism that he was going to be able to have at UTEP compared to Abilene Christian. Um, obviously in the first year they go 20 and, uh, 20 and 14, 11 and seven in conference. They lose in the second round in both the conference USA tournament and the basketball classic, um, led by Jamal Bienemy, Sule Boom, Keonta Kennedy. Um, just what would you say was the biggest difference, uh, in, in coaching styles from Golding to Terry? And just how would you describe the year overall? Yeah, yeah, great question. And it was uh, an interesting year because um, if you told me that this team would would finish up 14, uh, 20 and 14 by the, the season wrap up, I would have said, you know, that's very ambitious. I mean, you're probably a homer right there because UTEP was struggling at one point. I mean, they lost to Charlotte on January 13th. They were eight and eight at that point, had won just one conference game. And then that was kind of the you know turning point of their season. They won six straight after this one. And I think the biggest differences that you could see from Joe Golding and Rodney Terry is player development. I, I really thought that the players got better as the years uh, as the year went on. Sule Boom became more of an all-around player instead of a kind of like a reliant score, like where they're just relying on him to score so, solely. Um, you know, Jamal Bienemy became that secondary scorer for the minors, which was very helpful. While Keontae Kennedy was out with a foot fracture, and then when Kennedy returned, he brought everything that he he brings to the table. So he's you know he's slashing, he's rebounding the ball for the minors he's helping them out in the backcourt he's hitting big shots and so the way that this team was able to develop I mean I'll give you a perfect example Zarek Onyema who was a walk-on player from last year's roster never really saw the floor at all for the minors and this year he became a fan favorite simply because of his progression with this team his his thunderous dunks and the way that he was able to you know just play a a little bit bigger than he actually stands at at six foot nine so uh, with this Joe Golding squad I think they overachieved by all 
all measures. And, you know, I, I mean, not to get too far ahead, but I think that's the reason why he's trusting his staff, his team this offseason and not too you know, upset with mo most of the departures from this team. Yeah, I think one of the things that really stood out to me, kind of in the contrast, you, I'm glad you mentioned the, the player development because, you know, you see somebody like a Bryson Williams leave and, you know, you see what he does at Tech. And I think that that to me was the biggest indictment of the previous staff as far as like not getting really the best out of the talent they had because, you know, Bryson Williams goes to the Big 12 and becomes one of their best players like instantly. Um, and we all, it was clear that he had talent at UTEP, but it was never really, it felt like it never really clicked uh, the way that he did at Tech. And I think Jamal Biami was the same way. I thought that was a guy at Oklahoma who looked at like he had a lot of potential, kind of a big guard, big ball handler. And when he came to UTEP first, it really didn't, didn't really click. And then you mentioned Sule Boom last year, just kind of a one-dimensional guy, um, really developed his overall game. And I guess moving on from that, you know, the departures now, you know, you lose Sule Boom, you lose uh, Titus Verhoeven, things guys like that. What's kind of, uh, you? Bring, they brought in, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the names, uh, Shamar Givens, uh, Calvin Solomon, things like that. Is that kind of like, do you think it's a mix of maybe Sule Boom, guys like Sule Boom maybe going to like a Xavier, like getting an upgrade maybe like to a Xavier, or is it more like Joe Golding maybe turning it over a little bit to maybe get players that fit more his style? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I, I really do. I think it's Joe Golding realizing that he wants to do uh, what he knows how, and how he knows how to win. And that's what he built at Abilene Christian with a mm -hmm. team full of guys who really, you know, guys with chips on their shoulders, guys who come with kind of blue collar mentality, you know, and, and I guess going back to your previous question, Matthew, I comparing Rodney Terry and Joe Golding, uh, Rodney Terry would, would uh, way rather favor a splash uh, signee, like a, a Sule boom or getting somebody from Oklahoma, like Jamal B bringing in Bryson Williams from Fresno state, who was, you know, all mountain West back-to-back yeah. -back seasons. He wants, he wanted those guys, guys with pedigree, guys who had some kind of you know even guys who were in top 100 rankings coming out of high school but joe golding doesn't care about stars doesn't care about you know any anywhere that you you might find wh wherever you might find a player he might like malik zachary from the likes of you know south plain college as much as he likes shamar givens from evansville and i mean that's a junior college player versus a d1 player he doesn't really care he looks at a player and he kind of just sees how can i get this person to buy into my winning mentality that that's all really joe golding Golden cares about bring somebody who wants to come to UTEP who can win ball games and who can really buy in so I think he's actually taken away from what he uh, came into initially he had to re-recruit everybody who um, you know the the players who were with Rodney Terry's team and he, he you know pretty much um, saw all those guys leave this offseason so now it's going to be really his team he's going to be able to make it like he wants it and I think that's what he wants I, I think he wants to build a, a team the way that he knows how to win and, and that's that's kind of that Abilene Christian mold. Yeah, I, we on the podcast towards the end of the season, when you know the the season into the second round of both the tournaments, Joe Golding. It felt like just from us as outsiders, it felt like uh, Golding was looking at we need turnover here, which was crazy because of the season that they had, right? Eleven and seven, and you had these three three guards that were all really talented. Obviously, you could see them leaving in the transfer portal or to the, to the pro ranks, but it felt like he was looking to make changes. Did it feel that way to you? 
Yes, it did. And I, I think the one thing that was so interesting is throughout this whole process, the fan base was so hell bent on the fact that everybody would return because here at UTEP, uh, one thing that's interesting to remember, this city is built on loyalty. You know, El Paso mm-hmm. is very family oriented. It's, it's a town where you, you have, you know, loyalty means a lot to these people and they just don't, they don't understand what the transfer portal really is. And so when you're trying to tell uh, UTEP fans about the transfer portal and that, hey, when the offseason comes, you might expect uh, a mass exodus. You might expect the best players on this team not to be back next year. And fans didn't buy that. They thought that these players were all in, that they were going to be Joe Golding's guys year after year. And I think Joe Golding and his staff knew it too. I think with the exception of a couple players, I think that they knew most of this team would be gone from, you know, from the past season. And I think he thought that maybe one or two guys would stay, you know, a la the, the fact that they get, they kept Jamari Sibley. They mm-hmm. kept guys like Zarek Onyema and Kevin Kalu. Those are the three guys that they, you know, kept from last season's team, but then Joe Golding was ready to move on. I think what one of the other things is this team brought a lot of personalities. You had, uh, Keontae Kennedy, who was, you know, highly touted out of high school. He was at Xavier and, and, you know, he had, he wanted to have a lot of success in his college career. Now he's headed off to Vanderbilt and he wants to really star there in the next two seasons. And, um, you know, Sule Boom was somebody who was a back-to-back all con- all conference uh, selection as well. So, you know, those, those guys come in with uh, that mentality that they want to come in and it's their team and that's fine. They've earned that right. But, you know, Joe Golding is, is, more of a kind of, um, you know, not uh, like he will go away from that player first mentality. And he wants that team first mentality. That's at least his idea on all this. Was there a, was there an adjustment period to kind of watching that style of basketball? Because I know offensively it can get kind of ugly at times. Obviously he's a defensive coach um, compared to the past couple of years where it's been more or less like you mentioned, like with, with Rodney Terry's more like player driven or like, He'll let, he'll let stars kind of shine, right? He'll, uh, Rodney Terry's a guy that's like, yeah, sure. You like Silly Boom can take whatever shot he wants. You know, Bryson Williams can do that. Was it kind of a, an adjustment a little bit? To, and and did you do you kind of attribute that that to maybe the slow start as well? Yes, I do. I think that they were searching for an identity the first two months. And the reason why they struggled so much was they were focusing entirely on their defense. They want Joe Golding wanted to get their defense down first in the, you know, in the first couple months of the season. And then he was going to shift over to offense. He would even, you know, take ownership after games. Hey, you know, we shot 30% from the floor today. This is on me. We're not focusing on offense and practices. We're only focusing on defense. He would say those things in post game press conferences, you know, in those early November, December games. Uh, I, I remember one in particular, their loss to New Mexico State, which I had, I thought that they had a chance in the first half, second half, they got blown out and, and really didn't stand uh, a chance. I thought in that game, you saw what they had defensively, but they just couldn't come together offensively, that nothing was working for them. And you flash forward all the way into uh, a March game against Louisiana Tech, where they're going on the road, going up against Kenny Lofton and going up against a really tough Bulldogs team they're able to actually beat them on the road. And that's kind of a full circle moment for this group because that game that they lost in uh, back in November against the Aggies, they actually won that one, you know, in March against a really tough Louisiana tech team. It just shows you that they really progressed offensively through the, the latter part of the season. I think this year, the way that, you know, you could kind of see ways that you could revise things or change things up. If you're Joe Golding, you know, try to instill that defense as early as possible in the summer. I mean, I mean, 
it's easier said than done with an entirely new roster and then focus on that offense pretty much day one. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about next year at this point, uh, you obviously have a much better handle on on the new players that they've brought in at this point. Is there any one or two or, that have really stood out to you that you're excited to watch this coming season? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all the backcourt guys. I, I look at Tay Hardy from Southern Miss. Uh, I really liked what he was able to do. Now, he was dealing with a shoulder injury this past year. That's why we didn't see much of Tay Hardy. But the coaching staff believes he can do a lot of things. We got a chance to talk with him. Seems like he's got a, you know, a really good mentality coming into this uh, mix. I also like Mario McKinney Jr. He's somebody who really just couldn't get off the bench for New Mexico State. It was a crowded backcourt with the Aggies. And you know him coming off the bench, he would provide anything he could. He'd be played in those two NCAA tournament games, but didn't do too much as far as still up the, the, the box score. But he's somebody who's hungry just for the opportunity, never really got minutes off the bench for uh, New Mexico State, but was a, you know, a really highly touted out of high school. The coaching staff loves Malik Zachary, uh, a Buffalo D1 bounce back. He actually faced some charges back at Buffalo for stabbing a player uh, in a pickup basketball game. Yeah, a, a very interesting story right there. Got those charges cleared. Uh, as he told us, but uh, Malik Zachary, coaching staff's very, really high on. They think he's a pass-first point guard. They think he will uh, fill that uh, Jamal Biennemi role right away, and then they'll probably stagger that point guard position. They'll probably use Shamar Givens also at that point guard spot, and they'll, they'll kind of you know use multiple ball handlers. So I would say you know what impresses me right off the right off the bat is their backcourt. They didn't really address too much in their front court because they believe that you know they've got guys like Jamari Sibley, uh, Zarek Onyema who could be uh, good guys from this this season you want to i guess we can probably move on to the, the women's that's, uh, that's what i was gonna that's what i was yeah. gonna say go, go ahead Ish. so uh all right so i guess uh, i'm trying to figure out the nice way to ask this no do it ask it the toughest way possible <laughs> what the hell happened to this team this year <laughs> oh, yeah no i i get it guys i I was trying to figure out this question everybody in this town has been able uh wanting to figure out this question i mean look they put Katia Gallegos on everything. She's the face of UTEP athletics, not UTEP women's basketball, UTEP athletics. She's a yeah. homegrown product. She's from Franklin High School. She's born and raised in El Paso in our, in, you know, our sister city in Juarez, uh, where she was able to play, you know, Mexico on the Mexican national basketball team uh, when she was growing up you lose a player like that. You don't just lose somebody who is, you know, the face of your program, who's the face of your athletic department. It really was. And uh, the way that this program was going in that direction, you know, she took a big step back this season, did not put those numbers like she usually does. Uh, something was going on. They're just maybe too much, too many cooks in the kitchen in the backcourt where you're talking about uh, Destiny Thurman and, uh, you know, Katia Gallegos just not being able to find um, a, a good chemistry in the back court really no help when it came to their role players either this team on paper I felt was the most talented that Kevin Baker had and midway into the season they completely lost it they were looking for uh, the season to end in, a, in about late January early February and that's that's a really bad sign um, it was a road loss to Florida Atlantic when I kind of knew that the season was over uh, they stood no chance it got blown out and it was a Florida Atlantic team that was you know decent to less than mediocre I mean it was just a not a very good FAU team at all and this this UTEP women's basketball team as soon as they hit adversity in any single game they would completely crumble and I have not you know what 
the fact that Katia Gallegos left this program, the fact that Destiny Thurman leaves the program, it makes this program hit this reset. I'm not sure if this is a good thing, a bad thing, but, you know, interesting offseason moves. You're, you're talking about, number one, Oklahoma State, they get in Nia Boyd. Um, she's somebody who really couldn't get off the bench for Oklahoma State, but she's very talented, played at North Texas. Um, you look at Jazion Jackson. That's another in, uh, newcomer that they're bringing in, also from North Texas, so a little inter uh, interleague transfers yeah. going on right there. Uh, and then one really interesting one that happened late last week, Sabina Lipe, who played for the Miners, uh, you know, in 20 from 2019 through 2021 and then left the program this past year. She's now coming back. It's a, it's a very interesting thing. I don't, I've never seen it happen at UTEP, but uh, you know, she'll, she'll be back from Northern Colorado. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure you all, I'll tell you this. I think that this is a crucial, crucial year. I mean, crucial year for Kevin Baker and his staff. They need to win this year and they need to prove to this athletic department that they can, you know, despite a, a, a really down season where they had a lot of expectations, they could pick it back up this year. Yeah. I mean, coming into the year, I, we did, we did preseason predictions. Ish had me write up the conference USA uh, preview for the magazine and everything. And I was like, all right, it's UTEP and North Texas. Who's going to win the West? Like, I just, I believed in this UTEP team, you know, returning as much as it did, Kati Gallegos, to go 14 and 15 overall, 6 and 12 in conference, uh, lose to, and then to lose to UTSA in the first round of the conference tournament. And, and UTSA is just, yeah. uh, they, they were completely rebuilding. Lose nine of 10, lot, nine of the last 10 games of the year. I, I can't fully wrap my mind because obviously we, we, you know, we cover, we look at a lot of teams and whatnot. And, this was the most disappointing team in Texas. I think I, it was absolutely incredible for, for this team to, to fall the way, the way that it did. Um, but I think looking at Katia Gallego specifically, just the, how far she fell off was, was staggering. I didn't think it was, I mean, she shoots 34% from the field, 28% from three, 11.5 points per game. And I'm pretty sure those numbers were worse in conference. Yeah. 10 points per game in conference. What, what, what was, I mean, I know you mentioned too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe Destiny Thurman chemistry was off. Uh, was there anything stylistically or conference wise you saw with her or was it just, uh, what did you see? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, when they were down in certain games, I felt like she forced it. She was, she took all that, all that weight on her back. Every time they would fall behind in games, when they would, you know, hit that adversity point, she took it upon herself to try to be the hero and try to do everything. And then it was a constant battle, I felt, with, between the coaching staff and, and her play where she wouldn't, you know, make that shot or she would be inefficient. They'd pull her out, they'd sub her out. And then they just, you know, she wouldn't get in a flow throughout the game. I felt when Katya was her best when it was when she was a pass first playmaking guard. Now she's a great scorer. I don't want to take anything away from her scoring abilities. I do believe that she can shoot from beyond the arc as well. I, I think that she can hit the three point shot, but I also think that when it comes to Katia Gallegos, it's so important to, to, uh, to really see what she could do as kind of a, a, a total player as kind of that playmaker. She wasn't that this past year forcing way too much. Kind of looking at looking at the team now, you know, you mentioned it's kind of a, a soft reboot um, as opposed to something like you, like we talked about with UTSA. You know, what is what are the expectations for for this year? I know it's a long off season. You know, they could add more. They could add more players. I wouldn't be surprised if they add a couple more players. But you know, what are they, what's the expectation now? You do get players who are used to playing in Conference USA. You mentioned Nia Boyd, Jay Zion Jackson, Sabina Lipe. 
Um, but still, this is a team that was a below 500 team and lost its best player to the transfer. And so where you got, where's the program kind of at now? I feel like the uh, the community, the athletic department, they want a winner. They want this this program to win games next year, and I don't think they're going to really give a lot of or allow a lot of excuses to fly if they don't. I, I really think that that's where this athletic department stands. I know that this coaching staff has had success here in the past, but they never got to that to that mark. They want they've always ta- talked about getting to the conference title mark or competing for a conference title or going off and try to be in the postseason at some point but they've never gotten to that point and I felt like this was the best chance that they had on paper with talent this last season so this year they have to show number one they have to show that they can win games especially in conference USA and number two show the the progress I mean show the progress from you know coming you know as a as a coming from a whole you know really disappointing season to uh you know a, a admirable season this next year that's the biggest goal I think and that's what everybody will kind of hold them accountable for they they they're in kind of a must-win season right now under Kevin Baker and his staff. And it's just interesting to me. I've just been thinking this whole time. You know, the the men's team has had a really tough West uh, Conference USA West to compete with last year. North Texas, La Tech, UAB. The women's – the Conference USA West and the women's side was pretty open, man. It was just – if UTEP would have had that year that we expected them to have – that was the West was significantly worse than the East. Um, as far as regular season standings go, that could have been the, you know, the year where they turn it around. Um, we, you mentioned Jay-Z on Jackson and Yaya Boyd uh, coming in. I mean, just taking uh, North Texas top players from the past two years, really. Uh, <laughs> that's another thing we were just perplexed by. We were just like, what is Kevin Baker must be selling something here because they just keep bringing in North, <laughs> North Texas players. And I don't know. I mean, North Texas was had a decent year last year, but uh, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's fascinating to watch Kevin, but Kevin Baker. And now that we kind of hear it from, from your side too, you know, kind of coach coach for his, his job in a sense. I and mean, he's been there with since what, 2017. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Maybe 2016, maybe he was one la- the last hire of uh of Bob Stoll before he turned it over to Jim Center as the athletic director. I, I'm not I'm not too sure about that, but I, I think that's where that timeline hit. Yeah, and I I still think the West in Conference USA is still going to be pretty open. Rice is rebuilding. Um, I mean, this is basically the last year, I think, of of you know Conference USA as it stands. So you make you make a push here um before realignment. I think it it gets really interesting. Um do we have anything else ish? I think that's it. I mean, UTEP's one of the more interesting programs. It was one of the more interesting programs going into last year just because of the expectations with the women and the Joe Golding hire. And now it's, I don't know, I don't want to say the narratives have flipped, but it is kind of like, all right, I kind of feel comfortable with where Joe Golding's going. And I have no idea what to expect now with where where Kevin Baker's program is going. So there's someone that I'm kind of really paying attention to this offseason. What, you know, one more thing I just wanted to say with, with you all, with Kevin Baker and, and this staff, I think that what needs to be remembered with this group is, yes, there was, just like you said, Matthew, there was so much opportunity for this team to go out and actually win the West. But if you look in the future for Conference USA, the teams that they will acquire, yes, it, it works okay for football. Yes, it works okay for men's basketball. Women's basketball, it is wide open. So this athletic mm-hmm. department can kind of keep that in mind if they want to make a change this this next offseason and maybe hire a coach for the future of the, of the next edition of Conference USA where they think, hey, it's a way, way more winnable conference right now than it was before. 
Yeah, conference realignment is always a time where coaching changes are kind of accepted. And I think we'll see that in Conference USA um, and in the, the Sun Belt, the team that have left Conference USA for the Sun Belt. I think we could see some changes there. Um, last thing I think I'll ask, uh, Joe Golding's first year, obviously you got, got to know him a bit. Uh, what, what was he like uh, from an energy perspective, just all around? I mean, because when we talked to him, it was like he was going to jump through the screen and strangle us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what was that like for you? Yeah, I mean, he's like that all the time, off air, on air, you know, he's like that all the time. Like, let's say you have, let's say you prepare questions, like I'm sure you all do. You prepare mm -hmm. questions, maybe you come up with 10 or 15. Well, he's answered already 16 yeah. of your questions within the first five minutes. And you're like, all right, what else do I ask you, coach? I, I already, you answered half of my questions with your first answer. And then now <laughs> I've got to switch it over and do something completely different and, and start, you know, picking from your your Abilene Christian days and asking you questions about that. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's all that, you know, he, he's all that you hear. He's the energy, he's the excitement. Uh, but he's also a very personable guy. Like everybody in El Paso likes him. You could see him, you know, out at Lucy's cafe, eating a machaca burrito, or you could go out to your local, uh, Mexican restaurant and see him out there with his family. And his son is like playing in, in like, you know, local basketball teams and stuff. So everybody sees him around all the time. So very community oriented. They love the city of El Paso and they like to talk to UTEP fans. So yeah, they're perfect for El Paso. They, they fit right in. Awesome. Well, Adrian, we appreciate you for joining us uh, to talk about this UTEP program, men's and women programs. Uh, you can uh, catch Adrian on 600 ESPN El Paso on air. I'm just going to read your Twitter bio Monday through Fridays, four to seven mountain time, uh, four to 7 PM. They haven't shifted you to the AM slot yet. Thank goodness. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but Adrian, we appreciate you for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks again.